Hello, everybody. I'm Kathy Yang. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. Philippine shares have struggled to make headway amid another listless trading session. And at least one analyst is also dismissing today's heavy volumes. More from Michelle Ong. Another day, another listless trade. Philippine shares fluctuating between gains and losses all day eventually closed down, barely hanging on to the 7,700 level as investors sold down the market just as the MSCI rebalancing took effect at the close. First Metro Securities consultant Aaron Tsai saying it's been a painful sideways movement for the market this year. We've been tracking the price movement of the PSEI for the good part actually since 2000, since the beginning of 2019. Uh, we have been ranging except for the July, July 8,400 um, uh, glitch, I call it. No? Uh, we have been ranging between 75 and 8,200. Basically, you are giving yourself room um, for the, the 300 points thereabouts, no, um, as compared to your 7.7 buying price, no, so or buying level for that matter, which is a very tight margin for trading, no. So, um, as as opposed to a trending market, um, the sideways market has really been giving. Um, um, much pain for traders now because there's no clear direction. For the day, the PSE index shed eight tenths of one percent to close at 77.07. It was heavy selling on heavy volume too, hitting over 20 billion pesos, nearly triple this year's daily trading average. And the fact that we did 20 billion pesos today means nothing. That's not clean volume. If you look at the internals on the trading, uh, we did about six billion clean volume. The rest of it was cross trading. Uh, between, well, I mean, like Credit Suisse selling to CSLA and vice versa, the volume means very little right now. When you see that kind of trading, that means that the big funds, the big institutions, the big players are basically trading places, right hand to left hand. Sure, Credit Suisse may be buying 600 million of AGI, but then again, they're selling something else. And this is not clean volume. This is big institutions, big brokers, big foreign brokers, basically moving things around. Some analysts say it's hard to stay bearish, especially when you're getting conflicting signals, like Wall Street dashing to record highs. The rest of Asia also cheering Wall Street's record close at the previous session and a fresh phone call between top trade negotiators from China and the U.S. to address so-called core issues. In local corporate stories, Medalco confirms it needs 18 billion pesos for its network upgrade and expansion next year. That's a 50% jump from its capital expenditures this year. The money will be used for smart substations and the relocation of poles and other distribution facilities. And Lopez-owned First Philippine Holdings is selling its 25% stake in cranes and equipment manufacturer MHE Demag for an undisclosed amount. Michelle Long, ABS-CBN News. The Philippines and South Korea signed the so-called Early Achievement Package to boost trade relations. As Ron Cruz tells us, an economist believes strong manufacturing ties will be the next pillar of growth for both countries. 
More progress in Philippine-South Korea relations, aside from signing several agreements in the fields of tourism, fisheries, education, and social security, the two countries inked another deal aimed at improving trade relations. The so-called Early Achievement Package was signed Monday, ahead of the conclusion of the free trade agreement between Manila and Seoul by the first half of 2020. The package reports the progress of the trade negotiations. The FTA, meanwhile, aims to smoothen the investment flow between Manila and Seoul through the removal of trade barriers, as well as the creation of business and investment opportunities. As the two countries seek stronger relations, IHS chief economist Rajiv Biswa sees strong manufacturing ties as the next pillar of growth for both economies. Biswas explains Manila can take advantage of Seoul's deep manufacturing sector and lure investors to set up factories here for electronics and even petrochemicals. Bilateral trade is already at about 14 billion U.S. dollars per year. So that makes South Korea the fifth most important bilateral trade relationship for the Philippines. So it's already very important. But of course, there's a lot of potential to further deepen the ties. Uh, I think one area where there's potential for the future is for South Korean investment to come into the Philippines to manufacture a wide range of electronic products in the Philippines. The Philippines domestic market is growing very rapidly, and the Philippines is also a big exporter of products. So I think one area of the relationship for the Philippines to South Korea was the Philippines' fourth major trading partner, eighth export market, and second import supplier in 2018, with total trade amounting to some $13 billion. This year marks 70 years of bilateral relations between the two countries. Ron Cruz, ABS-CBN News. An update now on the recently concluded ASEAN-Korea Commemorative Summit. ABS-CBN's Pia Gutierrez is still in Busan and joins us live for the latest. So what more can you tell us, Pia? Hi, Kathy. President Duterte is now back in Manila after his uh, two-day visit here in uh, Busan, South Korea, to attend the ASEAN ROK Commemorative Summit. The president left Busan at around 4 in the afternoon and touched down in Manila at exactly 6.17 p.m. That's according to Malacanang. But before he left Busan, Kathy, President Duterte was able to attend a series of meetings and side events of the Commemorative Summit, along with South Korean President Moon in of South Korea and uh, other ASEAN leaders. And the discussion centered mainly on uh, regional connectivity and on charting the future course of ASEAN-South Korea relations. And in his opening statement, President Moon of South Korea discussed his administration's southern policy, which seeks to strengthen cooperation and solidarity with the regional bloc. Both sides also agreed to build a people-centered community of peace and prosperity and and enhance cooperation in security areas to address traditional and non-traditional threats.
Democrats, they also uh, agreed to support enhanced trade and investment while resisting all forms of protectionism. The ASEAN also expressed willingness to promote and facilitate dialogue and cooperation to support the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula with the goal of establishing lasting peace, security and stability in the region. President Duterte also attended several events at the sidelines of the summit, including the ASEAN ROK Innovation Showcase and the ASEAN ROK Startup Summit. President Duterte's partner, Ms. Hanelet Avancena, meanwhile had a chance to explore innovations in Korean beauty technology with the spouses of other leaders during the K-Beauty Festival, also at the sidelines of the summit. And that's the latest here in Busan, South Korea. Gabby? Pia, before you go, why did the president fly back to Manila instead of Davao? Oftentimes, it's the latter city he heads back to following an overseas trip. That's right, Kathy. Usually uh, goes directly uh, home to Davao City. But the fact uh, that he landed in Manila means that he still has a lot of uh, um, engagements left or he has a lot of uh, meetings uh, left for the rest of the week. Well, the Malacanang has yet to give us his uh, full schedule for the rest of the week. But what we know is that uh, President Duterte on Saturday will be leading the formal opening ceremonies of the Southeast Asian Games. And that's most likely the reason why he went straight to Manila instead of Davao this time, Kathy. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a safe trip back to Manila. Pia Gutierrez live from Busan. Now, expectations are high for the regional comprehensive economic partnership with over 20 rounds of negotiations in a span of seven years and with 20 chapters covering a wide range of trade-related topics. But Stuart Patterson, a research fellow at the Heinrich Foundation, believes the implications of the RCEP deal will only be truly known once details are made available. Patterson is especially curious about the investment and dispute mechanisms that will be put in place to ensure that China won't just end up dragging participants even further into its sphere of influence. The risk here is that this agreement becomes something that allows China uh, to take a disproportionate share of any gains from trade that materialize from the agreement. China is not shy of using uh, its economic leverage to achieve political goals, okay? And um, clearly, the deeper the relationship between a country such as the Philippines and China, the more dependent the Philippines becomes on the Chinese market or Chinese investment flows, um, then obviously the greater that leverage is um, that China has over the Philippines. And it argues strongly uh, for uh, the ASEAN 10 and other um, uh, players in the region to uh, be, be grouping together to counteract that leverage that China has. Union Bank's chief economist plays down the economic threats to the Philippines posed by the ongoing U.S.-China trade war and the current political crisis in Hong Kong. For Carlo Asuncion, the bigger concern is the prospect of a surprise shock on oil trade, especially in the Middle East, where the top two and three sources of overseas Filipino remittances are located. We, we've seen uh, the attack on uh, uh, Aramco. And uh, I think those things are not, of course, announced. So anything, any ge geopolitical issue that would uh, rise up and, uh, you know, be a threat, then, then I mean, who, who could actually um, at this point uh, predict it? We know that the Philippines has always been just, uh, uh, 
you know, it, they depend on, on, on imported oil. So I think if uh, the, the global uh, trade uh, issue between the U.S. and China will eventually uh, settle and um, HK is a top 10 uh, contributor of remittances. So I think it would be, uh, yes, there will be a, um, a, a shock, but it's going to be a minimal one. Union Bank sees a gross domestic product growth of 5.9% for the Philippines for 2019, below the government's 6 to 7% target. But it projects an optimistic 6.6% growth for 2020, citing the double effects of a possible 2019 budget extension implementation and the timely passage of the 2020 national budget. The Philippine Public Works and Highways Department vows to deliver what it calls a golden age of infrastructure next year, even as critics slam the slow pace of project rollouts. Public Works Secretary Mark Villar disputes claims government's build, build, build program is a dismal failure, citing record project completions and several more in the pipeline. Villar also vows to be able to decongest Metro Manila before the end of President Duterte's term with the completion of bypass road projects. Villar, meanwhile, denies a 17 billion peso insertion in the department's budget, as alleged by Senator Panfilo Lacson. It's still within the same ceiling. It's not an insertion. These are projects within, let's say, within a certain area, within a certain operating unit. They have a certain number of uh, projects and then when they see when they see that the you know they when they see what comes out in the budget they'll say okay maybe it can be requested it be uh, the station limits be clarified maybe we can uh, uh, you know or something comes up that it's not implementable or some there's some issues that arise during the budget process so there there may and it's it's not that big i mean relative to the budget it's a very small portion of the budget and it's it's done to make the budget more efficient State-run housing mutual fund Pag-ibig approves an increase in members' contribution rates for the first time in more than three decades. But some labor groups believe the initial 50 peso hike is not enough. Alvin Ochico has this exclusive report. After consultations with labor and employer groups, the board of the country's home development mutual fund Pag-ibig has approved the contribution increase, the first since 1986. From the current 100 pesos per month per member, the contribution will increase to 150 pesos in January 2021 and further go up to 200 pesos in 2023. With a contribution hike, Pag-ibig chief executive officer Ahmad Moti says there is no more need for the agency to borrow funds in order to cover the growing loan needs of members. Kasi po, pag hindi tayo nagtaas sa lakas ng growth ng ating pautang, lalo na po sa pabahay, uh, by next year po, kakapusin na po tayo sa 2020 ng mga 1.4 billion. Pag-ibig Fund is also studying the possibility of raising the loanable amount for housing loans. Inaaral po natin kung pwede na rin po natin uh, itaas po ito. Sinisiguro po natin sa mga miyembro, uh, yung low, very low interest rates and Pagibig Fund now offers the lowest in the market will remain low. But for labor groups like the Trade Union Congress of the Philippines, the initial hike of 50 pesos in the monthly contribution is not enough. The group considers the Pagibig contribution as retirement savings of workers. Naliliitan kami sa 50 pesos na dagda. Dapat 100 pesos ang minimum na pinaka-adjustment. Some members welcome the contribution hike, but there are others who are not yet ready for additional deduction in their meager monthly salary. 
Pabor po ho kasi para sa atin din naman po yung kapag nag-retard tayo, mapupunta rin po siya sa atin. Sa amin po sir, siguro huwag muna kasi maliit lang po ang sahod namin. Okay din naman kahit magtasila, wala namang problema ro. Kasi sa atin din naman mapupunta yun, balang araw. In 2021, each member will remit 3,600 pesos annually from the current 2,400 pesos. In 2023, it will further increase to 4,800 pesos, which will also be matched by the employer's counterpart contribution. Alvin El Chico, ABS-CBN News. And that's it for today. This is the podcast edition of Business Nightly. You can watch highlights, recaps, and exclusive content of our shows online. Subscribe to the ANC YouTube channel, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thank you for joining us.